Welcome to Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis. He's Ron Filipkowski, editor-in-chief of MidasTouch.com, where you can get all the news that you need that has otherwise disappeared into the uh, social media ether. One place to find it. And here on Uncovered, we uncover the MAGA propaganda that is not covered by the mainstream media. Uh, so, Ron Filipkowski, let's dive straight in because we've got a lot to talk about today. Oh, I should incidentally say that we are recording this episode yesterday, so uh, because of vacations and various things. Um, Ron DeSantis, who started out really everybody, and you know, you're, you're in Florida, so you kind of have form with this guy. He started out as being quite a viable candidate to take on Donald Trump. That story now seems to have really turned on its cowboy heels, hasn't it? Yeah, the, he's had the worst week of the campaign so far. This 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 week has been just a complete disaster, and his campaign has really imploded. And really what it all goes back to is the beginning of his campaign back in March when he first kicked it off in terms of how the financing structure was set up and that we've really never had a person, a serious presidential candidate run before who was so reliant on a super PAC, on a third party. What, What I mean by that is normally like a presidential campaign, they have their campaign account and those are hard donor money. That's money that comes in that's capped, that's limited per person. And you have, you know, millions or tens of thousands of grassroots donations. That's that's what Trump has. And then Trump also has his independent pack that he formed. And there's some other packs like the Save America one um, where big, big donors can park their money. So typically you'd have like a 50-50 split of pack money and hard money and invite or, or maybe slightly more uh, of the hard money. DeSantis didn't do that. DeSantis has almost very, very little money in his actual campaign account. He relied almost exclusively on about a hundred really big mega donors who were stroking checks for, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars and put it all in this um, never back down pack. Well, here's so, so the good thing about that is you can raise almost unlimited money from a small handful of people. The bad part about that is, by election law, you can't have anything to do with that money. You can't control it yourself directly. Can't have anything to do with it. You've got to leave it alone and let third party people run it. The problem with that is, is that, you know, DeSantis is a control freak and Casey is, and they want to control every aspect. And from day one, they've sort of had disagreements with the way Jeff Rowe and the others have been running that pack, how they've been spending their money, what they've been spending it on. And, and as the campaign has gone on, they've gotten more and more involved in sort of, um, you know, telling them what to do, which is illegal. Um, and so it all came to a head this week when Washington Post broke the story about the fact that the DeSantis campaign and Never Back Down Pack were having all these philosophical disagreements when they're not even supposed to really be talking to each other. Right. That's Which is why works. the headline on Monday was that he's effectively broken campaign finance law. Yeah. And that, you know, and, and certainly a headline like that is is not good for DeSantis and the people that support him. Yeah. And so and the leader of the pack is now quit. And, you know, it's pretty much out of money. And so the question is now, like, what does DeSantis, what's DeSantis's next play? And I, I guess his only 
The only thing he has to sort of hang his hat on is maybe I'll win Iowa and then all this new money will start pouring in from new donors. But, you know, he's he's been out on, you know, obviously campaigning a lot. Uh, but the the reaction is changing, isn't it? We have a little video of uh, of one sequence. Uh, I, I want you to. You can't really hear what the heckler is saying, but it's very interesting to watch Ron and see how he handles it. I'll play the clip. Here it is. We beat Fauci on COVID. We beat, we beat. a sex offender going to school. Stop it, excuse me. No, you know what happened? What happened is we're the number one rated state for education in the country. That's what happened. We are number one ranked in the country. Excuse me, I'm not finished. I'm doing my thing. No, stop it, stop it. Stop it. We beat Fauci on COVID when they were trying to shut down and keep kids out of school. We stopped it. We beat the Democratic Party on election security. We made sure that they had universal voter ID. No, uh, no um, a ballot harvesting has been banned. Sucker bucks have been banned. We made sure to beat George Soros when it came to criminal justice uh, uh, issues. She she really put him off, didn't she? Yeah, she's she's a Trump supporter, by the way. So I um, I talked to some people with the Trump campaign about this um, because they've been trying to get, you know, sort of heckler people um, into DeSantis events from the beginning because they know that he can't handle it like he doesn't deal with situations like this well but what they told me is like DeSantis events are buttoned up they're tight like it's very difficult to get somebody in there to do something like this because it's so tightly controlled that's not news to anybody in Florida we know that to to try and get close to DeSantis or ask him a a hostile question is impossible in Florida you can't even get into his events unless you're a supporter so what we see here is, you know, every once in a while, this happened at the Iowa State Fair. Somebody penetrates that sh- protective bubble. And you see the story here isn't really, you know, her heckling him. It's how he reacted to it, you know, mm. which is very poorly. You know, he tried to just plow through his speech and I'm up here doing my thing. Yeah. And, and saying know, it stop just, it as it well. which is so bad. Yeah. You know? It's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've said a few times that I, I don't think that he is a... You know, I, I think he, he's definitely on the spectrum. You know, he must have something that is, is, is compromising his social skills. And I think that's why his wife, Casey, fills in all the time and feels the need to have to kind of, you know, hold his hand. Because, you know, th- this is something that we should consider. There is a kind of human side to this. And unfortunately, in politics, humanity often goes completely out of the window. Um, let's talk about a couple of other things. I, I want to talk about Roseanne Barr just for a moment, talking of humanity going out of the window, because she showed up at uh, Charlie Kirk's um, big event and appeared to you, you posted that she'd appeared to have had several cocktails and was screaming about Stalinists and communists and Nazis. And uh, by the time she gets to a Muslim caliphate taking over the world, the crowd is left in stunned silence. What's the deal with Roseanne Barr? Because, you know, she, obviously we understand that, you know, she's a big Trump supporter, but she's also a a, a, a real conspiracy theorist, isn't she? And, and, and she was at one point when Roseanne was the biggest show on television, the highest paid, 
one of the most kind of respected performers on on, a, on US TV. Talk about a fall from grace. I mean, now she really is looks like an absolute crackpot. Yeah, Tom Arnold, her ex-husband, made a post about this uh, this morning uh, or late last night. I saw it this morning um, where, you know, look, she was really kind of like a feminist icon back yeah. then, you know, in the 90s. And, you know, and represented the working the white working class sort of rural feminist, you know, and um, it was a powerful message because it wasn't the traditional sort of academic you know, college campus right. feminist. It was it was the working class feminist. And so it really resonated with so many people. And and, you know, 20 years on, you, you know, she's turned up as like this weird right wing conspiracy theorist. Uh, I really saw it for the first time on Alex Jones. She went on Alex Jones a couple of years ago and was just out of her mind. And you know, she her conspiracy, she has some what, what sort of stopped this crowd in its tracks is she has some conspiracies that are so far out there. Even MAGA's never heard of them. Yeah. And so when she got up on stage, look, she she does something else. She drinks a lot. And and I'm not just saying this. She drinks on air when when she, literally when she did the Alex Jones. So she must have drank a whole bottle of vodka on air. And it, and it continued to go downhill as time went on. And she's done that on other shows, too, where she'll bring cocktails with her to the show yeah. and be drinking throughout the interview. It's very, so it's very sad, isn't it? Because she clearly you know, was, you know, slurring her words here. Yeah. And, you know, this can her her theory on the Muslim caliphate, which is the one that sort of you have all these people, MAGA people, they've never heard of this conspiracy. So when she started screaming about the caliphate, which is her theory that like Muslims are breeding and they're going to take over the world because um, white people aren't having enough babies and they are. Um, when she got to that, you know, and screamed that, I think most of the people in the audience didn't even know what a caliphate was. Right. <laughs> and so they all just sat there like they didn't know if they were supposed to cheer or what. But the, the tragedy of, of uh, you know, it's fine to be drunk and shouting things out. That's fine. But to shout out things about Stalinist and communists and, and Muslim caliphates, it, it, it really is, you know, it's very unhelpful for, you know, in terms of trying to reduce this kind of hatred and hate crimes and and it, it just kind of riles people up. Let's watch the clip. I, I do warn you, this is not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> here, here it is. Wait, a bunch of losers that never know how to get a job. I don't I care about them. If we don't stop these horrible communists, do you hear me? I'm asking you to hear me. Stalinist. Communists. With a huge helping of Nazi fascists thrown in. Plus, wanting the caliphate. To replace every Christian democracy on earth now. Occupy. Do you know that? so weird and and the, and the silence as you describe they all realize that she is more nuts than they are
Yeah, exactly. And and here's the problem. I mean, you know, MAGA loves these B-list has-been celebrities. You know, Kevin Sorbo, you know, Roseanne. We could go on. Scott Bayo. Because, you know, none of the A-listers in Hollywood are going to go anywhere near MAGA, okay? Yeah. So, Only John Voight. John Voight, you know, the the Sh- John Schneider from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. So, so when, you know, these has-been celebrities sort of pop up at these events, they just embrace them because it's like, wow, this person is a famous Hollywood person and they like us, you know, so... But the problem is you put somebody like that in an event where there's elected officials like Matt Gates and Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a presidential candidate. And so many there's so many other elected officials and candidates, Carrie Lake, appearing at this event and you allow nut jobs to go alongside those people. It, it causes a lot of problems for you electorally. Let's talk about Matt Gates just for a moment, um, because the, you posted this rather brilliant clip of the. The shaman, the famous January 6 shaman or shaman, how do you say that? How do you say it in Florida, Ron? Shaman. <laughs> you say shaman. Let's call the whole thing off. Um, and, and and really the criticism here from the shaman is that is that Matt Gates, who has used his name in multiple speeches and, and events, when it comes to it, when they're actually there, like right next to each other, doesn't want to have anything to do with him. Just explain what happens. I mean, this is the dichotomy. It's just so perfect because this really shows like how they use these people as pawns in their game. You know, you're right. Matt Gates went on. I posted clips, went on many shows, you know, sticking up for the shaman, you know, saying he shouldn't be in prison, this and that, you know, talking him up. And then, you know, the shaman is there. He wants to meet Matt. You know, hey, hey, this guy's went to bat for me. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And three times he posted three different videos of him trying to go up and get a photo with Gates. And he wouldn't even take a photo with the guy because he didn't even want to be seen with him. Now, everybody else did. Marjorie Taylor Greene did. Media, they were all posing for photos. But old Matt Gates wouldn't go near the guy. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show these guys are really frauds. They From Trump on down, yeah. they use people. They abuse people. People yeah. go to prison for them, and then they they discard them and turn their backs on them. And and that's what you and and shaman here is getting hit with the reality of that. You know, Jacob Chansley. And by the way, people criticize me for still using the shaman name, even though he uses it. But that's how people know him. So that's yeah. why I refer to him. That well, way. But, he's an interesting character, isn't he? Because he's actually, if he if he hadn't have broken the law, broken into the into the chamber, climbed up on top of the speaker's chair, and done all that s- stuff. And, and and been prosecuted for it, then we might be saying this guy could be an actor in, in the movies or, you know, he is he's tall and handsome and charismatic and, you know, he's actually got quite a lot going for him if that's the line of work that he would choose. You know, yeah. well, well, one more thing, because, you know, he's running for Congress, by the way, in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, and, and he put out a political platform of like seven things he wants to do. I posted that on Twitter a while back. And you yeah. know what? A lot of Democrats said, Hey, I I like this platform. Right. You know, yeah. this isn't this isn't so bad. So so you hit on something there. You're right. He's not like a horrible person. No. He he did a, a bad thing that day, but but yeah, it just goes to show you that had he not done that, you know, he'd be an interesting character. And and, and politics is all about likability, and and he is kind of likable. Anyway, here he is. Let's uh, see this moment where Matt Gates 
walks away. Did you see that? Power! And these are the people that are representing Americans? They can't even speak to an American? He was saying my name all over spaces. He's been talking about them getting me out with Tucker Carlson's footage. He can't talk to me. Won't even talk to me. These are big names that claim that they're for the little guy getting screwed by the big machine. And he will not talk to me. We we should talk for a moment about this this idea that the whole thing is a fraud and that, you know, obviously Democrats can see through it or anybody with living in reality can see through the fact that all of the faux outrage that comes from MAGA Republicans, all of the lies, all of the misinformation, that it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It's it's untrue. Uh, you know, from the extremes to Democrats wanting to abort babies at nine months at the extreme to even, you know, quite basic things that Republicans have been brainwashed into thinking that, that Democrats are all about and using characters like this guy to their own advances or advantages. How do you think we, because obviously we're always looking for solutions to try and balance the the, the the insanity of the of American political polarization. How how else other than the way you do it, which is you know putting these videos out, do we expose the fact that so many of these people who are committed to the MAGA cause are are living a lie and have fallen for a confidence trick? And that's why it's really a big reason why I put out a lot of the grift stuff, you know, to show how much money some of these people are making off of them. Uh, all the things that they're selling, all the legal defense funds, yeah. and then showing like how they raise all this money f- from these people for causes and put it, end up putting it in their pocket. You know, they never, they never end up spending it. Like, like I gave the example of Trump raising, he raised $120 million in November and December, 2020 to fight election fraud. And he kept all the money. Right. You know, he didn't even pay the lawyers with it. And, you know, all, all these other things, he raised over $100 million in the 2022 midterms where he told them it, he was going to use it to help their candidates. And he put it all in his pocket. I mean, you just, the NFT stuff, you know, I implored the Biden campaign to use that use that in an ad. You know, you, you have to just keep showing these people how they're getting ripped off over and over and over again. And, and you just hope eventually with some of them, it sinks in. You see a little bit of the re- reality setting in there with Shaman, you know, with yeah. with him being snubbed at this event. Let's uh, look at a couple of Trump supporters that you posted about and just seeing the way that they are completely brainwashed and really are convinced that Donald Trump is their is not just their savior from a kind of Christian perspective but also that he really cares about them. This is like regular working people. They have created a narrative in their mind that when he's up there doing his speeches, that he is really talking to them. I mean, those of us in reality, we see that that is simply not the case. And yet here it's like, 
It's another world. Dara and Doug, who I am told flew from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to New Hampshire, just to see President Trump today. You guys, that is amazing. What brought you here? And why do you love President Trump so much to fly all the way across the country to see him? I've been, I've been following Trump since 2015. I started hearing his views on uh, just the basic principles of America. And I believe in it. And um, he fights for us. And I want to fight for him 100%. Amen. Yeah. Woo. And Dara? He seems to really care when he when he's on stage, his presence of when he's talking to the to us, his patriots, he loves us. He cares about what we do. He cares about how sad we are. He cares about the hungry. He cares about the fighting and the wars and all this other stuff. And who else can we vote for but Trump to have a president who stands behind the people of the United States of America? And that's what we need. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you. you. I hope you have fun. Welcome to New Hampshire. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's like those poor people to be yeah. suckered in. that They're convinced. You know, the funny part is when I used to, when I first started posting these, you know, rally crowd people videos like three years ago. Yeah. I used to get the same responses all the time from Democrats. These are paid actors. These are paid actors. And I would fight with them and I would say, no, they're not paid actors. These are real people that are in the MAGA movement. And this is what they think. Look, there's four parts to what's happening right now with, with Trump's plan. Part There's four, the four stages to an aut autocracy. Stage number one is convince you know your people, Americans, that... Uh, you know, in your movement that everything is falling apart. Yeah. Everything is going to hell. Both parties are caused people in both parties are causing it. And it's never been worse than it is now. We're at a crisis level. That's number one. Then number two, um, convince them that there's only one way to fix that problem. In other words, a traditional president who believes in the separation of powers, checks and balances, all of that can't fix the problem because the country is too far gone. Only a dictator or an autocrat can solve this problem. Number three, if we're going to agree to give somebody that much power, we have to trust that that person loves us, loves America, has good intentions, and is sent by God. It's been chosen by God. And number four, Donald Trump is that guy. Yeah. So that's the four stages, and we see it playing out rally after rally. We hear from these people the same thing, which is that this messaging is working, that they say the same thing. Everything's falling apart. Everything's going to hell. Donald Trump has been sent by God to fix it, and he, only he can do it. Create the problem and then claim to be the solution. And, you know, I interviewed um, Professor Jennifer Machir on The Weekend Show uh, last week, and she was talking about how Hitler did exactly the same thing, converting same. regular Germans into Nazis. But Hitler was also a loser, total loser. He, he really wasn't the kind of guy that was suited to this. And then she explained about how he wasn't a great speech maker and he really just wanted to work as a, as a painter or, you know, he didn't really want this job. And yet he found that by lying to people that that was actually something that gave him traction and a reason to to exist. And the next thing you know, he you know brainwashed half of Germany. Um, this dictator issue, and I, I like to describe the decision for for voters as as dictatorship versus democracy, the two Ds. You know, I really feel that's a 
kind of powerful messaging for November next year. We have a clip of the problem now, which is that, as you've just described, MAGA Republicans think that a dictator is the solution and a lot of the uh, right-wing commentators are pushing this concept. Here's a, here's a clip. The way they are is because they know when he comes back, it's game over. Day one dictator. It, 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 right. Hey, day one dictator. Because you know what? We're going to drill, baby, drill. Baby. Hey, how many people here? Now, normally, I know you probably wouldn't in America, but considering what they've done to this man, how many people here support day one dictator? Yeah. I mean, day one dictator is the kind of phrase, unfortunately, Ron, that is going to stick. But you see how he set up the question, which is, now I know norm under normal circumstances as Americans, you wouldn't normally agree with this. But yeah. how many of you think that because of the situation we're in right now, this is necessary? Right. Yay. And look, you hear this over. I just posted a tweet from Jackson Lawmeyer, who was a, a Senate candidate in Oklahoma a couple years ago, who posted on Twitter this morning. Yeah, I think what we need right now is a dictator. So. Trump is is setting this is Trump is encouraging this. So when when people when the Republican senators say, oh, he doesn't really mean it, he's only joking, that's ridiculous. It's yeah. part of a, a long, broad strategy that Trump ha, has been has been using for a year now. This is not this is not new. I mean, they might be naive to it. I think some of them are. Uh, well, some of them know what he's doing, but they don't they don't want to call him on it, and others are just don't get it. And day one dictator is a distraction from reality, isn't it? Because, you know, Trump has already proved his dictatorship qualities when he was gassing people, you know, protesting in Lafayette Square and buzzing them with helicopters, when he was disappearing people off the streets of Portland in unmarked vehicles with, you know, unmarked military uniforms. All of this stuff is 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 dictatorial. And so to claim that he's only going to be a dictator for one day in his next presidency is it's misdirection. It's it's a diversion tactic. He is already a dictator. That's the only way he knows how to govern. And it won't just be day one. It'll be every single day of those four years. Yeah. I mean, it's like saying you're going to get a little bit pregnant. You know, no, <laughs> yeah. nobody, nobody becomes a dictator for one day and says, yeah. OK, you know, because then it's going to be like, well, you know what? Um, there's still more we need to do. Right. You know, there's always something. Yeah. Sort or they of like elected guys, me on this. These so guys I'm like Ron Johnson on. and so many others who pledged term that they're only going to run for two terms. By the end of the two terms, it's always exactly the same playbook, which is, oh, there's still just so much more that has to be done that I didn't expect. You know, it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the idea that you're going to become a dictator on day one. And by the way, what is his rationale? So we can drill, baby, drill. We're already producing more oil than any point in U.S. history. What is he talking about? But how does dictatorship connect to drilling for oil? What, what, what's the connection there? I mean, I guess, you know, freeing up federal lands, you know, by executive order. So for weird. More drilling. Yeah. But look, even from the point at which you free up federal land until the point oil comes out of the ground is years. Yeah. I mean, there's a year gap, years of gap. So it's just we have tons of oil. It's it oil's flowing like crazy. That's not the problem. And the other thing he says on day one was was it immigration or building the wall or something? Immigration and, and drill. Shut down the border. Yeah. Shutting down. Now the look, border. I mean, look, I've 
I've been very critical of Democrats on this, you know, the border issue, because I do think that this is a big Achilles heel for Joe Biden. And, and I do think that the border is a problem. And so, you know, he's touching on that, too. He's touching on the two things that his base and believe me, a lot of moderates care about, which is gas prices and the border. And, you know, on the border issue, I think Democrats are solving the gas pr price issue. But on the border issue, one reason why it's an Achilles heel for the Democrats is because they don't want to talk about it and they don't want to they don't want to deal with it. And and it's a, it's a problem. And, and I hear it from moderate voters every single day. Why are we allowing tens of thousands of people to continue to come into the country every single day from every part of the world? And we're not turning anyone away. We're letting everyone claim asylum. And is this going to continue for four more years? Look, we've got to get a handle on what's happening at the border. And I, I fear that this could really hurt us in these elections coming up if we don't do something. If I could give the counter position just for a moment on that. Firstly, every country that borders other countries has this problem right now. It's huge. It's massive in the UK at the moment. It's massive across right. Europe. So it's not exclusive to the US or to the southern border. Secondly, if you were to talk to Alexander Mayorkas, who is in charge of this, he, he's, he's a very smart and capable person who really has the same values and beliefs as most people about immigration, that it should be legal, it should be done appropriately, that we certainly shouldn't be separating children from their parents or keeping people in cages or any of the extreme stuff. But, and you've seen him be questioned on the on the, in, in these select committees recently and it's, it's really the questioning is so offensive he does have an answer for all of these things they aren't letting everybody through asylum is not the same as people migrating you know asylum has international law attached to it people are entitled to seek asylum in the first free country they they come to and and because they're escaping persecution there is plenty of room in america for all of these people Undoubtedly, the country was built with immigrants. So really the issue for me is that, yeah, Democrats maybe are not talking about it enough. They're also talking about technology. A lot of Mexico's money is going into the tech, you know, the smart technology to actually catch people crossing the border because you can't, I mean, Trump wants to put the military down there. It's very visual. You know, Trump's solution, shooting people in the leg, was mooted during his presidency. It's very visual building a wall, again, painting pictures for people who don't understand what asylum is really all about. I, I cannot see what more the Biden administration could do at the border, but I can see what more they could do in terms of public relations. I Yeah, I, I don't agree with that at all. And so, but know, what, would you, different, so what would you do differently? What would you do I, differently? I think it's a disaster. I think it's a disaster. Well, it is, because, it's, it, it is a disaster, but what would you do differently? Every single day, yeah. you know, tens of thousands, thousands of people coming across the border from all countries on earth. They're given a plane ticket, a bus ticket, and a court date. And you can claim asylum by claiming asylum right now. It's It's the easiest thing to do. You can claim asylum by saying that, you know, somebody in your town was threatening your family, you know, in, in whatever country you came from and you're, and you're going to get into the United States and it's not sustainable. The word has gone out around the world 
that anybody who shows up at our border is getting in and that has caused the problem to continue to snowball. And I'm aware it's an issue in other countries and it's an issue that's hurting the parties in power in other countries. And and I don't think any country has had it to the extent where we're at, which I think by our own government's admission, we're now at somewhere around 7 million people have come into the United States over the last three years. Now, if the administration feels that we need that, that that's not, we need those people in here, well, go ahead and say it and become a 30% party. But they're not saying that. They're claiming that it's not happening when we all can see it is happening. And I understand they don't want to talk about it. I understand media does. some media doesn't want to talk about it. But the American people are well aware that this is happening. They see it in many of their neighborhoods and they see it in their school systems where there's a massive influx of children from different countries who don't speak English that they're that teachers are having to deal with. And it's a problem and it, and it can't continue at this level. And if Democrats don't get that at some point, it's they're going to pay for it at the ballot box. And that's a damn shame. OK, so I still don't quite view. know what 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 solution you are suggesting. Is it's, it building is everyone a who shows up doesn't get to come in? OK, and we that's to... what's happening right now. Understood. All right. We, we, we're going to take a quick pause for our sponsor. We're going to come back with more solid debate between me and Ron Filipkowski here on The Weekend Show. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bedsheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Maid uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding, so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you get a better night's sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends or family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bedsheets and since these come with three free towels you get two gifts in one just in time for the holidays stop sleeping on bacteria bacteria can clog your pores causing breakouts and acne sleep clean with miracle go to trymiracle.com uncovered to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season and we've got a special deal for our listeners save over 40 percent and if you use our promo code uncovered at checkout you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20 percent miracle is so confident in their product it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you aren't 100 percent satisfied you'll get a full refund Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered and use the code uncovered to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's trymiracle.com slash uncovered to treat yourself, a friend or a loved one this holiday season. It's uncovered. We're back. 
I think I accidentally said it was the weekend show <laughs> just into the break because obviously I was a little distressed by your position on immigration. <laughs> Fortunately, I cited the name of another Midas Touch show and not something from another network. So obviously during the break, I have no doubt that you and I were both looking up the number of migrants entering the southern border. <laughs> did you? Because I no. did. Well, it's a lot less than you're, you're saying. I you mean, they said... What, where, where, where are you getting your numbers from? Well, I appreciate you questioning that because, you know, obviously... Yeah, because... I'm, I'm going to tell you that I don't believe them based on what I see with my own eyes. Right. Well, on the, video every single day. Well, from Statistica.com, they're suggesting that it's capped at 60,000 people for the year of 20, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh it up. Laugh it up, my friend. I saw that. I saw that in the last two days. Right. Okay. I mean, that's that's insane. Look, the Republicans exaggerate the problem. Yeah. yeah. The Republicans don't want a solution to the problem because they want the political issue. Yes. Yeah. Democrats don't want to talk about it or do anything about it. That's also a problem. This yeah. is what I'm saying. Um, you have to have a sane, rational, normal. And I'm telling you, those numbers, I've seen many. It's five to seven million people. There's no question about that. Those numbers are accurate. And so anybody who I think the U.S. government has acknowledged it's at least five million. But even they don't know. And and here's the problem for for it politically is that every single one of them who commits a crime, who commits a mass shooting, who commits a rape, who does something bad is going to then be blamed on the Democrats and Joe Biden. And so but, but the they're not doing those crimes. They're, they're just not. Those types of crimes are being committed by homegrown American white Terrorists. They're not. They're not. They're not doing them at the same rate. But yeah. if you believe that none of those immigrants are committing rapes and robberies and murders, then you're not. I don't know what you're watching on TV. Well, because, I'm speaking. You know, as a, I watch I'm speaking Fox as an immigrant too, for so, start, Right. Look, people it, come to the U.S. It only takes to seek a, to seek a better six. life. Right. If you're you dragging know. your family across hundreds of miles, they're not to family. Get in, they they are they are those I can are the show ones you a video this morning of people coming about 3000 people coming across the border almost everyone is male there's no children and there's no women where 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 do you watch the videos uh, they're, they're they're constantly they're they're on you can you can find them. there are reporters that i know i know because maybe you don't see it because regular media doesn't cover any of this but i follow people who film the border cross points every single day and they show the videos and they're all over the right-wing media fox newsmax they're all over they show them every it's a steady stream of people crossing the border they're live shots and you, you typically see an immigration person you know standing there taking their their name and their information giving them whatever processing them but yeah you 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 don't see very many women or children so that argument the, you know, there I don't is, know there how is also good that argument is. Well, I also don't believe that single males necessarily are should be designated as criminals just because they want to, you know, a lot of them are coming in for work. You know, they're coming in to work because where they are they cannot make enough money or the jobs aren't there or they feel compromised in some way. But a lot of them are coming into work because America has branded itself for you know a hundred years as that as that kind of bastion of freedom where you can 
live the American dream, is it any wonder that people want to come here? You know, no. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like you can't have it both ways. And it's very important that we explain the difference. In who, you can't let everybody in who wants to come. You just can't. I don't believe in having open border world. I, I believe but in, it's in asi having asylum border. is asylum is not illegal immigration. Those are two what very different asylums. I mean, asylum is I can't get a job in the country that I'm in. Is that asylum? I'm I mean, poor. That is, is that the, unfortunately that is the world that we have created for ourselves. You know, well, this if that's, kind of modern... if that's going to be the standard for asylum, then we have a big problem. Okay. You well, know, so. we we need to get uh, Mayorkas on this show, and we can uh, grill him. We'll we'll create another little box between you and I, and we'll stick him in there. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll right. talk about it. Um, let's. I talk would about... love to talk to Mayorkas about this. Yeah, because I think he's hurting the Democratic Party tremendously. So. The, the... That's you know, my I, opinion on Mayorkas. Okay. Well, I, I've been, he's an immigrant himself, of course. And that's, you know, I actually was thrilled when that was announced, that position was announced, because I felt that in order to deal with immigration, you do need somebody who really has, you know, understands that journey. Uh, so I actually am a big fan. I love the fact that you're not. That's what makes this program so fascinating. Um, let's talk about, uh, you posted this picture of this boxer who lost his, lost his uh, fight. Right? Was it? Was he like a bare knuckle boxer or something? UFC, and, right? And right. and he. This is how. This is how crazy it's got now with the kind of MAGA movement, where if nothing goes their way, or even something doesn't go their way, they blame Democrats and everybody. They basically they create a kind of political message behind it. I'll show the clip. We can talk about it. Third, you know, he didn't put any damage on me. He got a couple low kicks, but then I started checking him at the end. So, you know, I thought I had the win. I thought I did enough, but, you know, the judges have never favored me. They hate me because I support Trump, and, you know, everybody hates Trump in this building. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Life goes on. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of brilliant, isn't it? I mean, this comes right from the top. Yeah. Um, somebody was just saying yesterday, who was it? Ron DeSantis, I think, or Chip Roy, or one of these guys was saying, you know, Trump always claims that he won. He, he's never, never admitted that he lost any contest. Uh, DeSantis said this. Um, and, and that's, and that the fish rots from the head down. You know, the other members of the party are, are taking this up, which is, you know, we saw it with Carrie Lake. We saw it in others is that MAGA never loses. They're yeah. always cheated. Everybody's cheating them. Yeah. Um, and and everything's rigged. And it's now permeated to their boxing matches. And I did not watch this fight, you know, but I did um read a lot of the MAGA commentary about this clip. And they're like, dude, you lost the fight. Even they were like, you lost the fight, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so but yes, he's blaming it on the fact that he loves Trump, which is you know, he says everybody in this building hates Trump. That's also ridiculous. Like the most friendly environment for Trump in a sporting event is a UFC event. That is like MAGA. You know, it's it's all MAGA in that building. Well, so there was that video that Trump put funny. out of, of, of Trump's head superimposed on that guy, like pulling him off and throwing him and beating him. And that, that was, you know, very early kind of Trump meme materials. The owner of UFC, Dana White, is a huge Trump buddy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous to try and say, like, the UFC is rigged against me because they don't like Trump. You know? Let's talk about uh, Rudy Giuliani on this very subject because he also, 
He, talk about a guy like sticking to his story. He's so convinced that he's right. I mean, I think um, aren't they suing him? Aren't the mother and daughter suing him again for defaming them a second time outside the courthouse, where he just kind of doubled down on his view that they were ballot stuffing and everything else? Um, you you posted this video of him doing his kind of. Uh, explanation video. It was almost like a, it was kind of like a pre-execution, you know, last words video, where he says that he doesn't care if he loses all his money because money's the root of all evil, and he's proud that he stood on principle, and that his dad and Jesus are proud of him. It, it's again, it's very interesting when these people are on are down on their luck, the kind of words that they go to, and I think for me the most interesting part of this clip is where he tries to equate his moment of most success, which is post 9-11, where he was able to, you know, steer the nation and, and really get a good handle on that, on that moment in history and say the right thing, which I would never take that away from him. But he's actually using that as collateral in this clip to claim that he is that guy. Here it is. Am I unhappy? No, I'm very, very proud. There were offers made. I told my lawyer, go to hell. I stand on principle. I didn't do anything wrong. What I said and what I revealed about Joe Biden and his criminality, about the hard drive, about election fraud was 100% true. If they want to put me in jail for it, if they want to shoot me for it, if you want whatever, whatever you want to do to me, I'm not going to you're not going to get me to lie. Um, uh, and even if you take all the money, uh, money, <laughs> money is the root of all evil. All, all that I care about is that I can look in the mirror and I can say I, I, I did what my conscience told me to do that my father would be proud of me and We're that proud of you, Rudy. and please don't interrupt me my father would be proud of me and jesus christ would be proud of me because that's who i prayed to before i made these decisions including on september 11. every time i made a decision i said i don't really know you make it right jesus and every time i made a decision in these very very di difficult situations I said, Jesus, let me think it out. And if there's something wrong, you just put it in my head. And if you're following the truth, and if somebody would just sit down with me for just a few minutes and look at the evidence. He, he keeps saying that, doesn't he? If someone would just sit down and look at the evidence, the evidence he has shown multiple times, which is basically like a CCTV of a, of a bag under a table, he just won't let it lie, this guy. Yeah, I looked at his evidence three years ago, man. You know, I, as you can see, this is Rudy's podcast. So I watch Rudy's podcast. I've seen all the evidence, you know, and it's the same old thing. The evidence connecting anything to Joe is just not there. Yeah. And that's been his problem from day one. And, you know, what I like to do is catch these people when they're there at their most vulnerable because that's when they say the dumbest things. Yeah. And so, you know, Rudy went out and gave his little press gaggle out. This, this What you're seeing right there is the 
the night after he lost his trial. Yeah. So what I knew was that, you know, he what the press cover what the press covers is what he does in his little press gaggle where his lawyers are there to kind of clean things up. But then what he does, he goes back to his hotel room in DC, has a couple of glasses of scotch, gets in front of the microphone, and we get Rudy gone wild. You know, we get raw Rudy. And that's what I report on. Yeah. I'll let the media report on the press conference, which is all nonsense. I report on this, which is when you're going to get the real, you know, the real Rudy. And and he's just a habitual liar. Um, he's a drunk. He's a con man. He's a fraud. He's a lecher, you know, misogynist. Uh, you know, every woman in his orbit is not safe. Yeah. And, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, you're seeing a guy who's com- coming completely unraveled. And I agree with Ad- what Adam Kinzinger said earlier this week. He said, you know, someday we're going to wake up and the headline is going to be Rudy is dead in a hotel room next to an empty bottle of scotch. I, I do think that that's Rudy's ending here at some point. But, um, you know, what I really want to see is them aggressively trying to collect on this judgment and make him sell everything off. And I have read some stories over the last 24 hours that that's the goal of the plaintiff's lawyers now is to really aggressively collect these assets because unlike Alex Jones, these cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. Rudy has to pay up. But it's $148 million we're talking about. Well, they won't get that. (laughs) But this is my point. It's like, so what I'm interested to know with your lawyering experience, you know, that was the judgment. What does that mean in reality in terms of, you know, because even if he sold all his assets, you know, it's not going to come to much. Yeah. And even if you appeal, which he said he's going to do, my understanding is I'm not, I've never been a civil lawyer. I was a criminal lawyer, but my understanding is the way these things work is to appeal a civil judgment. You have to put up some kind of bond or some certain amount of money. That's usually a percentage of whatever the judgment is in order to appeal and, and to be able to stay the collection of the judgment. And I don't think Rudy even has that. So no, I don't think that they're really they know that they're not getting a hundred million dollars, but but what they want to do is get every penny that Rudy has. Yeah. And uh, you know, other than his pensions and stuff, which they can't get, you know. But but look, he's got a, a four million dollar apartment in New York City, and um that would be nice. It was interesting he also in the middle he starts talking about the money, and then I saw his face crack a little bit, like into a little evil smile because I think he loves money. And so then he says, has to correct that. So then he goes, money is the root of all evil. So just in that sentence, you saw a whole kind of narrative of who Rudy really is, because, you know, he's been grifting his whole life. He loves money more than anything, clearly. He's pretty much in this entire game for money and power. And to deny that money is even a thing for him is a confession, isn't it? Well, because he's constantly selling products and selling different things. But even that's drying up. He's he's having a hard time finding people that are willing to let him sponsor their products. You know, he used to sell cigars and gold bars and all kinds of different stuff on his show. Uh, but even that's drying up. So what we really have to watch now are the fraudulent transfers. You know, Rudy trying to move his assets into other people's names like his son, Andrew, or somebody else. Uh, to try and hide his money, which Alex Jones did. You know, that's sort of the next step for a lot of these uh, 
criminal type fraudsters, right. which is when they get a judgment against them, they start trying to hide their money. And I'm sure that the plaintiff's lawyers and, and they've got the best lawyers around are going to be very watchful of that. Let's talk about uh, the Florida GOP voting to censure state chair Christian Ziegler, strip him of all authority to conduct business, and they also reduce his salary to a dollar uh, whilst ignoring his pleas to save his job. Just tell us a little bit about this guy for people who, who might not know. Yeah, well, of course, you know, he's the state party chair who has had the rape allegations against him, and his wife, Bridget, is the one of the original founders of Moms for Liberty, uh, so most people know that part of the story. What I'll say is this, the way the way he is handling this right now in the last week or so is going to kill him long term. In other words, if when this whole thing broke, because I don't think the, the criminal rape charges are actually going to be filed. I, I think that what those are probably going to go away because there's not there's some inconsistencies in that story. But the other the other stuff remains, which is even the stuff that he's admitted to is bad enough. Yeah. OK. And so if he would to come out when this first happened and said, I screwed up, I accept responsibility. We were wrong. I'm resigning my position. I'm going to you know, go to counseling. I'm going to work on my marriage. Then I think he could have come back in three or four years and sort of rehabilitated because, you know, Americans are very forgiving and, and he could have rehabilitated his, his political you know, career. Instead, he's done the opposite, which is despite the fact that Ron DeSantis, both senators, his own congressman who gave him his first job in politics, his local party, everybody wants him to resign. He's refusing to go. And so what happened is at this last meeting, um, they cut his salary to a dollar they stripped him of all authority because there's a process to remove a chair if he won't go. And it takes it takes about 45 days, the process. And so they're, they're, we're winding down to the end of the process. But what he's doing is he's putting the party through all this drama when he's gone. There's no way he can save his job. And that's just going to hurt him long term, which makes me very happy because I don't really like him. <laughs> and And yet again, this goes back to what we were discussing last week, which is that the Republicans, the MAGA Republicans put up this front of being so perfect and, you know, that they're they're doing right by God and all of this stuff. And behind the scenes, an awful lot of shady stuff seems to be going on. Yeah. And that that's what's getting him. The, the hypocrisy of it. Had, had they not been so out front on the culture wars and the yeah. anti LBGDQ stuff, um, this wouldn't be as big a deal. But they're you know, they've been the poster children for that movement. And uh, so that's that's what that's what's killing him. But, you know, hypocrisy is a short term problem in politics. You right. know, if you just kind of walk away, own it, you know, don't burn your bridges, don't hurt your friends and you can come back in a couple of years. But that's what he's not doing. He, he's he's shooting himself in the foot because the bottom line in this guy is he's not very smart. And and so he's going to pay a heavy price. Um, the House uh, voted to proceed with the uh, Biden's impeachment inquiry the other day, and uh, the the House Speaker is kind of leading the charge on this, isn't he? But uh, the GOP Senator, um, Senator Mullen, he's pointed out a problem with impeaching Joe Biden, hasn't he? He said the high crime or misdemeanor has to be committed while he's in office, the current office that he holds, so what he did as a vice president and what he did in between the two may not be impeachable. 
I've got a clip of that, but before that, he's not the first GOP person to come out and start to talk about the fact that there isn't really any tangible evidence to impeach Joe Biden, is he? No. And here, you know, the reason why this is interesting is because he makes a very good point that I hadn't really uh, talked about very much. And I don't think even the Biden defenders have talked about very much, Yeah, which is this this technical point, which is even if you believe Comer's evidence, it all happened before Joe was president and impeachment is for misconduct while in in office. office. Yeah. So that's a great point that he brought up, which, you know, I hadn't really heard anybody else bring up. And it it happened to be a right wing senator who brought it up. (laughs) Why is he bringing it up? I can tell you why, because the Republican senators do not want this. They They do not. The last thing they want to do is for the House to pass impeachment and for them right before their election, the 2024 election, have to do a dumbass impeachment trial, knowing it can't succeed. It has to get two thirds vote, knowing it's going to put them in a position where they have to vote for this sham impeachment with no evidence after a after a ridiculous a trial that's going to make them look bad. But then once they do vote against it, that's going to draw them a primary challenge from angry MAGA people. Yeah. So the senators absolutely want nothing to do with this. There, I haven't heard really any senators who who want this. Well, um, Trump wants this, doesn't he? It's Trump, it's Trump that's directing this, that's right? Because he's you know eye for an eye. They impeach me twice. I should impeach Joe Biden, and the way I do it is you know through my surrogates in Congress. And he's trying to distract Biden in the Biden campaign. Yeah, he wants them to get all bunch of media questions about impeachment. That's what he wants. Instead of talking about the economy and infrastructure and healthcare, he wants Biden to be asked about impeachment. And that's why they're they're doing this. Here's the clip. If they send us a case, make sure it's convictable. And, and, and the bar is real high. There's no question about it. It's got to be a misdemeanor, high crime or treason. And the other bar, it has to commi- be committed while he was in office, the current office he holds. So what he did as a vice president, what he did in between the two, um, may not be impeachable. What we're seeing here is how politics should play out. People, no matter on what side of the aisle, should be sticking to the rules, the protocols and the facts. And it, 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 to you and I seeing a, a GOP senator, it's quite shocking. But it shouldn't be. It, it should be normal for them to side with what's the law as opposed to just their opinion. Yeah, so if I put my idealistic hat on, I'm going to say, great job, Mark Wayne Mullen, standing on principle, saying the right thing, doing the right thing. Now I'll put on my cynic hat, (laughs) which is saying he's a senator from Oklahoma who knows he would have to vote against impeaching Biden, which is going to screw him in Oklahoma, where because Oklahoma, every single county voted for Trump. It's the most pro-Trump state in the country. (laughs) And so Mullen is like, I know I've got to vote against impeachment, but my people back home are going to kill me. So that's I think it's more likely the latter. And so I I appreciate your cynicism in this moment. (laughs) (laughs) We need to finish. But before we do, you need to tell me about this haircut uh, picture that you posted that kind of went viral. Uh, I'll I'll show it for those (laughs) listening on the audio podcast. It's uh, it's a man who maybe left the barbers uh, before the job was done. 
The long hair is at the front and there's nothing at the back and he's standing with Rudy Giuliani. Who is this guy? What's the story? I have really tried to find out because most of the media reported he's one of Rudy's lawyers, but he's definitely not his lead counsel. So it's either like an associate. I've also heard he's like maybe security or a Rudy staffer. I don't know why Rudy has staff, but uh, it's a little bit of a mystery. I, I tried to do some digging and he couldn't really find any details on him. Um, but look, the fact is, I mean, if he is Rudy's lawyer, you know, it's just so perfect after the, you know, the, the hair dye running down his face, the four seasons, total landscaping. And now his lawyer shows up with a haircut yeah, like this. Perfect. And, and you know what? These are the things about Rudy that piss off Trump is, yeah. is this stuff, the visual yeah. stuff. All the mania that that Rudy did during the uh, 2020 and all the craziness, the one thing that Trump was really upset about and the reason why he ended up cutting Rudy loose as his attorney was the hair dye. Really? That was the one always thing that visual. It's really the visual. made Trump the most mad. Yeah. Yep. Of, of all the stuff that happened because Rudy looked like a clown and see, these people can never look like clowns. Yeah. You know, everything has to be presented a certain way you know yeah trump is obsessed with the visual isn't he and it's all it's all really everything just comes down to that that the narcissism is at the core of every decision so weird okay we have to be uh, we have to finish but uh, i'd like to wish you happy holidays uh in fact i'll even say merry christmas because i know that the, the democrats banned that but apparently we're allowed to say that now because of yeah. trump yeah, yeah, thank thank goodness for Trump bringing that back. He brought Christmas back. He Ron. saved Christmas. Brought it back. Okay, listen, have a really have a really good break, and um, I'll well, we'll be here next week. But uh, for those who are celebrating, enjoy your family and your time off, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Take care.